1: interviewing top sports personalities from around the nation in order to provide you next level insight and analysis into your cleveland browns blue wire hustle proudly presents all eyes on cleveland and now here is your host brad ward Welcome into another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland, a special edition, joint collaboration crossover edition with the OBR Film Breakdown, like we like to do about this time with the great Jake Burns. Jake, how are we doing tonight, sir?
0: What's up, Brad? I'm good, man. Glad to be here. Glad to do this. You know, I love when we get together, man.
1: Uh, me as well. I've got a lot of thoughts. And uh, first of all, I want to ask you, how was Las Vegas?
0: it was an experience i've never been and my listeners know this because i've talked about it several times i had never (laughs) been out there and um it was cool though great hotel room spot that we were in so it was comfortable to do draft coverage if i didn't go to the media room the media room was a debacle because the wi-fi was terrible so we couldn't really get involved in twitch shows or get writing done but the experience of it what they did for the fans how they set it up and structured it was was so well done really really cool and then you know, getting to see Las Vegas, the city and experience all that was great too. So great yeah. time overall, man. I'll be interested to see how they do up with uh, KC next year, I think is where it is.
1: Yeah, and I saw your pictures of you in the beautiful uh blue wire studios at the Wynn and, and mm. you got you looked great in there. That looked like a fantastic experience.
0: Yeah, man, they do a great that that studio is uh I've seen pictures of it. I've talked to Kevin about it several times, but getting there, seeing it, the structure they have, the the uh, room they have for editing and all the different things they offer is really, really cool. So if you're ever out there and you care about sports, they do shows throughout the day. And it's you can walk by and see the studio. And if you knock on the door, they'll let you tour it and check it out. It's at the Wynn Resort. And um, it's awesome, beautiful and, and really cool set up there. So I was happy to get in there and spend a little time and meet the people that I've talked to so many times, but never actually yeah, right. shook, shook their hand. You know, I've been with Kevin since like 2018 of Blue Iron. I've never actually met Kevin. So that was cool.
1: Very awesome. Uh, yeah, so we're doing a crossover edition like we usually do. This is uh, Brad Ward, uh, your host of All Eyes on Cleveland, and Jake Burns with me, host of uh, the OBR film breakdown. Talking, and we're just kind of kind of do, you know, re-examining some of this draft stuff i have some questions for jake that i've been you know looking forward to asking him i want to talk day one first here jake and let's go right to um alex alex wright right mm-hmm. I say, is that the right name
0: I alex I wright name right. you got it, alex wright yeah. <laughs> you
1: alex wright is correct okay alex wright is right uh so right is right uab um And, you know, so I did a live show for the second round with Jared Mueller and Josh Keatley, and we Mm -hmm. did this show, and and they traded back out of 44, which I didn't like because, for me, Jake Pickens was on the board and Sky Moore was on the board, and I feel like, hey, you got to like one of those guys, you know, enough to take them at 44. In my opinion, they don't. That's fine. They got really good value for the trade, so it's Okay. And they ended up saving the day for me with the David Bell pick in the end. Uh, I wasn't sure about the Martin Emerson. You know, there's some mixed reviews on him. He's a big corner. I get it. Okay, they liked him a lot. Alex Wright was the one I was a little curious about. Now, the data is great on this guy, right? Like, he tests out of this world. But there's a few questions I have for you. Um, You like this pick, right?
0: Yeah, I like him. I think he is a moldable young uh, defensive end, obviously, being at the age that he is at, at just 21, as all of these guys tend to be um, for Andrew Barry. But the, he was a late riser. You know, I'll give Corey Kennan, who works with us at the OBR, a lot of credit. He was one of the first people I heard talk about Alex as a serious player and uh, had not really heard many people bring him up. He is you know, started to be. This is a deep edge class, so it's a really hard class to climb the board in. And when I saw Dane Brugler put him in his top 100, ended up being I think like 97th overall on Dane's board. I was like, okay, this guy's a pretty serious player. Some people creeped him up into the right around the 50 60 range, and that to me made a ton of sense. If you watch the tape, I mean, he's like six five and some change, two seventy long leverage, uh body type, good torso, like all of the things you want for a guy who, if he works hard, which from everything, he's a great interview, a great, great personality type. Like when you, when you uh, get a chance to hear from him, when, when he has actually did an interview pre-draft with Corey as well, if you can check that out, he's just a really interesting guy. And I think that he's kind of going to be that quiet worker type. One of the first things he talked about was how interested and eager he is to learn from Miles Garrett and I hope Miles can handle some questions and I'm going to have so many questions for him and that's what you want man and I think his you know his potential is there the production was already good you mix that with the potential to absorb learn some new things about the position from one of the best guys in the league doing it right now and uh, being around that type of work ethic that Miles has I think it's a nice play at that spot I really thought uh, of the guys that were there he made a ton of sense for what they want, age, body wise, all of that, and um, I feel good about it. It's it, it could ultimately not pan out, but for you wanting a guy who can be a strong side edge type, you know, I think it can make a ton of sense. So I get it. The the move down from forty four is definitely one that is questioned by a lot of people, and justifiably so. Uh, it just tells me that they didn't love the wide receivers the way we loved them. Um, Some people love them at that value spot. They saw David, David Bell as being a guy who was relatively close to them. So moving down helps you gather some ammunition. And we're going to talk about a little later. They, they use some of that ammunition for a special player, a specialist, like we thought they would. Um, But with 78 being there and still needing an edge, a guy who can, who can be a high upside player. He's, I would definitely say Brad, he is. And I said this yesterday with John Colosimo on the pod. He is, without a doubt, to me, the biggest boomer bust player. Like he could, he could really be good. Like he could really turn into an all pro potential player here. But he could also basement of being a guy who's out of the league in five years. Like that's where it's at. It's yeah. not. It's not that he has some other career kind of related to Chad Thomas, where Chad Thomas had a lot of tools, but Chad Thomas wasn't committed to the game. There was a lot of things about Chad Thomas and his uh, successful music career that hindered his ability to do the things that mattered to eventually be good. I think you have much better odds here with Alex Wright in terms of physical body style and commitment to football, so that points you in a really good direction. And, um, you know, that's kind of where I'm at with it. He's the biggest boomer bus player because I think his ceiling is tremendously high, but, you know, that's why the draft is the draft and it's lotto pick type stuff here to see who who actually reaches that ceiling, right? That's what you want to ultimately see because a lot of these guys have ceilings that equal pro bowls are all pros. I mean, throughout sure. the first three or four rounds, but it's who actually taps into that to make it to that level. So that's what will be fascinating. I do like the upside of the right pick, especially too. I will say the trade back from 44 and the selection of right tells me I hunch on this told me that the clowny was going to come back. Like they have a really good okay. feeling that they're going to make that work that they didn't need to select somebody at 44. That could be an immediate, an immediate player at defensive end. That's what yeah. moving back told me. So I could be totally wrong, and Clowney signed somewhere else in a couple of weeks, but I just have the hunch that this this tells me Clowney's going to – they feel really good about him coming back. So let me play
1: uh, devil's advocate, because Jared was very much high on on this guy when we were on the show, uh, on the night of. Mm-hmm. And There's a couple things that worry me, and maybe you can kind of – straighten me out here a little bit so i know like his pass rush win rate is like the best right he's hurries are high it's, it's very yeah. good right like he mm-hmm. ch- he tests really well how does that how do you take into effect uh those that data okay if you're looking at like the analytics of this all where he tests i'm looking at pff right now and he tests mm-hmm. out of this world right on all this stuff um how do you take into account the level of competition there? It's is tough. My first well, question.
0: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you're, you're definitely always going to have these guys, the Khalil Max of the world, these guys sure. who play at this level of competition. What you have to ask, though, first and foremost, is did they dominate the level of competition? You have to dominate it. He dominated it. So that's a great okay. start. If you dominate the level of competition and you put together an athletic profile that matches what the guys from big, because we know the Browns have tended to, push themselves towards power five players. That's not a secret. They have very yeah. rarely gone outside power five for an early selection. So you better have dominated your level of competition. You better look the part, your body better be the part it is. Does his yeah. physical profile match up as a tester, as an athlete with what you've seen on tape? Yes. That's why you can take the risk to me. So You're right. I think there's always going to be level of uh, level of play concerns. And you're always going to wonder, you know, uh, is is that leaving wiggle room? I get it. I, I know that draft season, you talk to most people and they love this pick. That's true. I mean, it's hard to be. And I even tweeted this on. On the day of the draft, it's like this is the time the next month is the time where there's going to be 72 all pros like that's just how it works. Everybody watches (laughs) the film of their guys and they write about how he is going to be the next thing. And I I always do. I always try to be like the balance it out guy. I always try to do a pod before the year about, hey, here's what could look like if everything goes wrong for these guys. This is what it looks like. And with right to me, it is pretty simple right like the level of play concerns are real and it impacts he can't pick up the game speed the way he needs to pick up the game speed he never develops a go-to move he never is able to uh to turn the speed to power that was working for him really well at the level he was at he's never able to turn that in against nfl tackles i don't think it's very hard to see how it fails for him right he can never quite catch on in terms of what he needs to do to be a consistent three down player but If he does map some of those things out and continue to play both phases the way he did well in college, you can see why the Browns would say, okay, kind of happy medium here is that he is at least a starter. But you can see this picture, this outlook of how he becomes a really, really good player. So I think that it's pretty fair value at 78 to see a boom or bust prospect because that's a sweet spot for where guys kind of slip under the radar, right? Either they slip yeah. under the radar because of lack of awareness. Like PFF didn't have Alex Wright on their board until like it was yeah. in like March. It was like early March. They started at him. I remember I messaged Costco. And again, I said, I said this yesterday's pod, but I messaged John Costco, who is just a, he's a contact because John does so much for the Browns for them. But, I was like, hey, man, what's up with Alex Wright? Are you guys going to put him on? He's like, oh, yeah, man, his grades are great. He was the AAC Defensive Player of the Year. I'm like, yeah, we got to get this guy <laughs> out of your simulator because he's going to get picked. So, yeah. you know, he's so just weird. been a late, he's a late riser. So it's, it's like I said, potential-based, but there is also some proof to the film, right? It's not all mapping out a conjecture. He's proven that he can get after the passer. He's proven some things. So it's all okay. about can you, le- can you keep that level of play, Brad, against nfl competition some guys can some guys can't so we'll see what it pans out for but i I do i do like the risk reward of the pick there all right last
1: question on him and i will never pretend to be anywhere near the kind of film critic that you are but i watched a little bit and here's the things that that just kind of quick questions for you and maybe you can Mm -hmm. explain this stuff away to me real quick my concerns i didn't see a lot of double teams and usually, you see at this level a lot of double teams. Maybe, maybe I, I was off on that, but I didn't see him double teamed as much as maybe you would see, like uh, when you look at like uh, the D'Angelo Malones and guys like that of the draft who are playing at maybe a lower level and they're they're getting a lot of attention all the time. I didn't see a ton of double teams. I love his size, obviously. His size is amazing. He looks extremely athletic. Um, I think his hand, it looked like he won a lot with his hands when I was watching. Like, he's got good hands. He. It seems like he would, he beat his guy with his hands a lot. Uh, but the no double teams worried me a little bit. And just his, his get off, I, I worried about a little bit. Like, I don't, maybe, I, I don't know, you know? So, yeah. you tell me, is that stuff that he can improve on? Is that, and the no double teams, is that just me not watching enough reps? Or is that something that's real?
0: Well, I don't – listen, There, there's some of it. He did not get double teamed as much as some of the top competition in the NFL – sorry, at the college level in this draft. But okay. I did notice teams scheming him up. I did notice teams trying okay. to do some things to go away from him, um, especially when he started to really hit his stride there just okay. last season. So I did notice it. But, but again, you got to think, like – He's not going to get double teamed in Cleveland, so that's not going to be a problem. Like he's never going to get double teamed. He's not a thing. <laughs> yeah. Especially if he plays first few years. If he plays with Clowney and he bumps inside, they talked about his flexibility because of the hands. Like he can play inside a little bit. They think the speed can overwhelm people. He is not. I will say this: he's not overly twitchy. So like he's not. You know, it's something you watch with Miles. Is like how fast he gets off the line of scrimmage and yes. how he is the initial thing. Like. Like Right has bend. I think he plays with nice bend. I think he could do a little better with getting his torso down to maybe do some more bend, turn, run the corner thing. Like that's one thing I think Miles is really going to help him with is his tips for how to bend the edge and play really low with that great ankle flexibility. Like I really think he can bend from that and like learn from that. That's a huge thing too when you go from G5 schools to the NFL is hey man, we're going to really start to work on your ankle flexibility. Some of these little minor things that people don't talk about a ton that just NFL people have tips with and I think Miles can help him in that regard. But I would say this. He he's never, he could get better anticipatorily could get better at first step things. I don't think he's going to win by being a blazing speed guy. I think he's going to win by a a variety of hand, powerful hands uh, moves with those club rip, being able to dip and turn speed to power. Those are the things I think he's going to be best at. And again, with what he's doing and what you're asked to do as a strong side edge guy, opposite miles, you are really tasked to play run to pass. So Miles is like hey man we want you to play quarterback 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 adjust to the run when you can but play you're playing to the quarterback like that's your thing strong said these guys have to be a little more cognizant usually going to be a force player usually going to be involved in a lot more run game Stuff. So he, his speed get off will not be a huge thing. Like I envision him having a lot of powerful moves where miles has forced the quarterback to either step up or he's gone inside, forced him to slide out. And he's there to take care of some cleanup sacks because he can keep his long rangy arms. He can keep you separate. You're not going to get in on his chest like that would be the end game goal. If you look at this thing in three years, it's like, man, he's been about an an eight to 12 sack a season guy. And he's really, really benefited from what Miles is able to do to turn cornerbacks quarterbacks in different directions. He's been able to really master that. So I don't think he's going to be doing a ton of dictating in terms of what the quarterback's initial pocket movement is. But I think he's going to be able to clean up what miles is always forcing quarterbacks to do and it's going to be a big part of rush plans just because he's a good late late rush guy he's a very reactionary player good athleticism in that regard so i'm not overly concerned about this 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 ridiculous get off while i do love his ability to use a variety of moves and that variety of moves is how he's won with the pass rush rate. So I think those things, you continue to develop them over time, Brad, and those start to really become an important part of how he's able to get to the quarterback eventually. And, you know, clean up because that's what, that's what uh, Clowney benefited from, man. He got a ton of situations that arrived in his lap where miles did this, that, or the other, or some pressure dictated a move. He was reactionary, able to clean it up. And take care of things or he benefited from situations where miles gets a lot of attention and i think Wright can be a similar player in that regard
1: fantastic stuff jake and those are quite that's why i wanted to ask you because you you know those a great great uh breakdown on him and fantastic now is he a guy that can help this year a little bit you think yeah
0: yeah i think okay. he's going to be an interesting part of the top four rotation uh the okay, top good. four to me there's, there's five guys that draw my attention, okay? They signed Weatherly and they signed, um, you know, what's his name? Um, Rochelle. Okay, Isaac Rochelle, yeah. Like, those guys, you know, fine practice squad to maybe being up on the roster a couple times. But, like, I'm interested in Miles, obviously. I'm interested in, in Clowney. If they keep Clowney, those are obviously your top two guys. And then you're looking at a secondary unit that could be three guys you know right will be a player that can get rotation snaps be your version of tack mckinley you love that you think that can be a nice part of what you need we obviously know how well tack played when he was given opportunities um he can also be and again i just mentioned it earlier but the browns also mentioned it so it's got to be said is that they think he can be an interior rusher too so when they do go into that boss front where they slide three guys to one side and then and then what boss means is big big on one side only so like you're keeping you're putting three guys to the left of the center and you have a, a guy like miles rushing off the opposite edge and trying to yeah. create just weird matchups along the offensive line he can be a part of that too and he can play interior on pass downs they really like his potential there so yes he will have a part in this thing now the other two is going to be decided in my opinion between chase winovich and this youngster they took in the seventh round Isaiah Thomas, who I think has a yeah. real shot to, to make the roster and be a rotational player. So um, that's what I envision. I do think Wright is going to have like a 400 to 500 snap season if they bring back Clowney. Now, he could be a starter if they don't bring back Clowney and they have no other answer. I do see a path to him starting and seeing some serious reps. But in a ideal situation, in my opinion, like that 400 to 500 snaps would be perfect for him in his rookie season.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Great stuff. Uh, You're listening to Crossover All Eyes on Cleveland, the OBR film breakdown with Jake Burns. I'm Brad Ward. Uh, Talking Alex Wright of the draft, getting uh, uh, all of my questions answered here from Jake as far as he goes uh, as the Browns took the edge uh, with their second pick in the draft in uh, day two here. Uh, round three, second pick in round three. Um, They took uh, Emerson, Martin Emerson, cornerback, with their first one, and then David Bell, for me, kind of saved the day because he was like the guy on the board, Jake, that I was like, man, if they took Bell here at the end of the day, I would be okay with everything because I was kind of focused on wide receiver a lot, as you probably read my article. (laughs) And I think the NFL was focused on wide receiver a lot, as we saw what the Titans did. And, And it's a lot of what teams are doing as far as Team building goes. Uh, teams are trying to either go cheap, you know, with the rookie wide receivers, or invest in in uh, heavily in some of these guys, twenty upwards of twenty five million for guys like AJ Brown and others out on the market right now. So uh, interesting stuff. As we saw, record numbers of wide receivers coming off the board in the first round, and second round. So um, another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Let's do this first and then we'll go to kicker, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh Troy Hill gets traded back to the Rams for a fifth rounder next year. Does this have any correlation to Martin Emerson for you? Cause it doesn't for me. I I, I don't think. Uh let me tell me what you think on that.
0: Well, you have to surmise that they have some plan here. You're not just gonna right. trade Troy Hill for nothing. And I think that's the most like Captain Obvious statement I can make here. They're not gonna trade him for nothing in terms of just let me put it this way you and i use this phrase a lot it's not a zero risk situation there is some risk in letting troy hill go because although troy hill didn't play up to like ram standard troy hill he was fine i considered him an average nickel which again there's there's benefit to being an average nickel in this in this uh what do they call it in this the society or environment or whatever the heck that phrase is there's there's benefit to that you need solid nickel played but what we noticed last year was that Greg Newsome handled it well when given the opportunity. We know that Denzel can, tra- can track wide receivers and inside and play that when they need him to. We know that they have a couple guys who are ready to play on the outside and 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 have proven so and greedy and and I think they believe Martin Emerson can be a field corner for them in the right zone situations. And trust me, the Browns run among the most zone coverages in the entire nfl so that'll be a thing like he'll get opportunity if they do that but i mean could they make him a big you know a big nickel i i don't know i mean they could Mm -hmm. but i don't really know for sure so we'll see what happens with that but like i i think that what they will probably do is flex the safeties into the slot be able to use those guys if they go dime in certain scenarios and they want to dime back or ronnie harrison into the middle and put jok over the uh, over the slot too and use him a little bit there they could i mean there are options i don't i don't love greg Newsom as a slot guy because i just think that his value is best as an outside corner and that's yeah. where like i'm imagining so he wants to be because yeah. those guys get paid well you know outside corners get paid well that's the you don't you don't pay nickel corners big money it's just not a thing yet maybe someday but for now they don't so um it is it is interesting to say the least this decision we'll see what they do could they have some more tricks up their sleeve perhaps i think Mm. they have enough bodies to still get it done but i am it is one of the top three storylines for me once we get to actual football is like who are they going to play in the slot because yeah you know i would imagine just like any smart guy greg Newsom is very selfless and he's a really really team focused player but you do have to look at your value in the nfl and getting your second contract is an important part of any draft pick and as a slot, you're not going to get paid big money. You just you just don't. So we'll see what they do. They like AJ Green and they like Greedy. Both of those guys are outside corners by nature. And and I don't love the idea of Greg being a guy who steps into the slot a ton and is forced to play run fits. They do a bunch of what's called fallback fits in their run game where they'll they'll move people into certain areas. And oftentimes yeah. it means that you'll need a C gap nickel player or a force defending nickel player who will be downhill quickly into run fits you'd see that i highlighted it a lot last year when troy hill was uh coming downhill into run fits. so i don't know man we'll we'll see what shakes out they might have another trick up their sleeve they might like one of these youngsters that they got as a udfa for that role we'll never know until we get them out there on the field and we see what they're doing but to me it's at the at the very minimum extremely interesting why they did this i understand it from the perspective of you know what's interesting is Jack Duffin wrote up wrote it up on the OBR uh, the cap ramifications of this if you're a subscriber you have access to the cap and what how everything played out and I'm not going to give everything away but they believed in Troy Hill still before the draft. So if they believed in him enough to pay him a certain portion of his money the Emerson pick and the trade coming after the Emerson pick Brad does indicate that that had an impact on the decision that they were they were at least willing to let him go. I don't know if it's direct, but it is an impact. So because that trade could have happened before the draft, if that was the case, but they got a corner they like that. Then they let go of Hill. Now Hill could have gotten them like a seventh round comp pick maybe, but what they ultimately decided to do was pay his, his uh, option bonus and essentially buy back a fifth round pick because they say he's going to leave after the year. Anyway, we feel like in my opinion, what it tells me is they have adequate replacements in house And they said, we'd rather get a pick back that matters because we're not going to get a comp pick that matters for him. So that's the thought process here is they think that they have better players for the role. They can move on from him and get back a fifth round pick as well. So it's interesting.
1: Listen, you know, Jake, I was the biggest Troy Hill fan. I, I was so glad he was coming in. To me, he was, like, maybe the best slot on the market last year. I was very excited about him coming to the defense. He came on my show. I was super hyped. I knew his, I got to meet his agent, you know, DM'd him back and forth. So I was a huge Troy Hill fan. But I look at this, and my first thing is, like, Okay, let's look at his grades and everything, right? So overall, he was not as nearly as good as he was with the Rams. He was a 60 overall PFF grade, 53-5 in coverage. He played the run really well, and he pass rush really well. I think we had a game where he had a couple sacks in one game, I think, even. Yeah. But um, to, to go back to your point, right, where they had him playing the downhill in the run quickly in some of those defensive uh, alignments. But... Uh, He only played in 12 games. Yeah, he was dinged up, right? Um, And...
0: On the wrong side of 30, too. You got to keep that in mind.
1: Yeah, and he's 30 uh, plus. um, And... I like A.J. Green a ton. I like him a ton. I thought he mm-hmm. was great last year at times, and I think the Browns do too, so I, I know he can't play on the inside necessarily.
0: Maybe, though, hate, Brad. Maybe, maybe, maybe. they see a role for him, you know? I don't know. Find a way to get him on the field. We think this guy's a dog. We've seen him do it in practice. That could be something that surprises us.
1: Yeah. So whatever they, did, they come up with, I'm fine with. I'm comfortable with it. It's interesting, though. That's really intriguing. Um, and it does make sense that, hey – if you're not so into him, you're not going to, you know, keep him after this year. You, at least you get something for him, right? Yeah. On the way yeah. out. So,
0: well, the Browns are always aggressive in free agency. So, it's not like they were going to get back a top end comp pick for him. And it's the same discussion with like Baker Mayfield. I don't envision the Browns getting a comp pick back for Mayfield if they ever went that route, just because they're very active in free agency and they're going to cancel some of yeah. those things out. So, You got to think about that a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, the Hill deal is, like we said, I think it's the safe thing to say is not zero risk. It definitely carries risk. We could look back on this late in the season and be like, man, they really never got any kind of solid nickel play. Troy Hill would have been really good for another year. We could look back on it and hate it. But for now, I'm just going to trust the vision, think that they got some guys that can do it. And the the acquisition of Martin Emerson from the the very beginning – the next day they get him, after they get him, they move Hill, tells me they, they have a plan. They have some sort of yeah. plan they believe in.
1: Yeah, it makes you think there has to be some kind of a correlation, but I don't quite know what that is yet. It'll be intriguing to see, certainly. Yep. Uh, and I think that some of the stuff you said there certainly could uh, turn out to be the truth. All right, two more things we want to hit on here tonight. Let's talk kickers real quick, okay? Uh, Cade York, they go uh, you know earlier than most would expect, but there was... I mean, I mean, two punters went quickly after him. Somebody was going to take this guy, in my opinion, Jake. I think the Browns took yeah. him at the right time in the draft.
0: Well, they, they, yeah. I mean, they weren't going to get, and I talked about this yesterday again, like he's been the highest selected kicker here since uh, Aguayo is, is a thing, like whatever, I get it. Um, so there's that hanging out there. But they didn't but have like only pick so many place, There's only yeah. so
1: many places you can get kickers from.
0: Right. Well, they weren't I mean, there was not a single other kicker drafted. So that yeah. tells you what they people thought. Now again, Daniel Jeremiah had him in his top one fifty. It was not a secret, this guy. like he was pretty well known as having the best leg in this draft, and people were very interested in him. It was just a matter of who did the right thing at the right time. And I think since Cleveland acquired extra picks, they went into this draft thinking, hey, if we can get in a situation where we're comfortable, with where we land, and we can add some other picks to it, then we'll start in this range. I would imagine one fifteen to one thirty. Looking at taking Cade York because we believe in the talent. It is not a leap of faith here. You can say the same thing about Aguayo. Like Aguayo was talented, man. Like that guy put together yeah. some ridiculously impressive college seasons. Had a great leg. He just didn't have the mental makeup for it. It was pretty obvious once the uh, once the tough stuff hit in the NFL. Didn't have the makeup for it. So. I would hope that Cleveland did extensive background on the makeup of the player. I know that they're looking at this guy as a very, very talented leg. And I, I look back and like the Austin Seibert pick in the fifth round a few years back, and that to me was just such a clear reach because the the the, there was no proven distance kicking. And when you go from kicking at college, where you just you just have to prove yourself as a distance kicker, like eventually you do, and he couldn't do it, so that left a lot to be desired. And it was like, okay, there's this big belief about his leg, but his leg's not very good. That is. There, the, at least the Browns' perspective was that he had this great leg. And it was like, interesting. You know, there was the whole quote about, you should, like, we heard the sound of the ball off his foot and we knew. And it was like, okay. But anyway, <laughs> everybody, everybody believes in Cade York. Like everybody yeah. you hear from that matters has loved this guy. And the Browns already proved it. They, they love him too. They let go of Blewett and they let go of McLaughlin already, indicating, hey, we are not having. Any kicking competition here. It is your job and go out and prove it. And they want to show uh the utmost faith in the young man. And I love it. And I hope they're patient with him. I said it after they drafted him. You yep. do not want to Zane Gonzalez this thing. You do not want to uh um who's the kid that Carlson, right, who was yep. drafted by the Vikings and then let go, and then all of a sudden he's tearing it up with the Raiders. You yep. don't want that. Be patient with him, let him learn the Cleveland wind. I've already seen some reports of him trying to or at least believed he will start to reach out have conversations with phil dawson yeah Mm -hmm. man put him under his mentorship let him learn the leg talent is real now he didn't kick off at lsu but there were reasons i think lsu had noted that they wanted a guy who could put it consistently at the certain distance and he couldn't consistently do that or something but there was like these reports of hey man this guy's kicking it out of this into the first, second row of the bleachers. And I don't know why yeah. you wouldn't have that guy kick off or you, but that's another discussion about where LSU was. But sure. the leg talent you gather is that the leg talent is very, very good. And he is in a guy who can adjust to issues on the fly, and that helps. So, I listen, it might not work out. I don't know, man, but you can continue to cross your fingers that you're going to run into – a guy who has been shuffled around like Boswell off the UDFA market and you land him, or you can cross your fingers that you land Justin Tucker type off the UDA heap. And that's all fine and well, but eventually you got to take some serious swings at the Evan McPherson situation, like going out, getting a guy that you know is talented. And listen, I've seen plenty of fourth round flop picks come and go, man. And I I'm okay with taking a stab at kicker every now and again, if, You add picks via trade, and that's what they did here, and that's why I can be okay with it because he was not making it to their next pick, which was like 160. So I was ultimately fine with the decision when they made it because it is a thing they need to fix. So, again, I'm good with it. Cost
1: them multiple games last year um, and uh, needed to be addressed somehow, and and there's only so many places you can get a kicker, and and this seems like the right move to me when they brought back – uh what's his face that they cut today um Mm -hmm. you know i I was like okay this isn't the answer right uh go get this kid i think i mocked kate york in every single one of my my uh my, my my uh mock simulators that i was doing trying to do like every day two weeks leading up to him not that i got any other uh the picks right but i got kate york right that's for sure um but yeah, so I like it, and I and they went out of their way to mention his mental makeup, as you know, in the post in the uh, post uh, pick interview. So they clearly evaluated that as well, and to me, that's
0: probably the most important part, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the mental moxie of this whole thing, and and again, too, it's it's fans understanding that there might be some growing pains. I mean, you want him to come Absolutely. in and McPherson this thing, and you hope it can happen, but. Just stick with him, man. Give him give him three, four years to try to really figure out. I mean, you know, you can't have him being like 10 for 25. Like there's limits to that. But like <laughs> yeah. if he's even if he's a 73%, 75% kicker for a year, like just don't give in. Like let him try to figure it out, show faith. And I think the Browns have already started to do that, as we're talking about here with uh the, the quick trigger to get rid of who was already on the roster and show that faith. Yeah. I, I I think they'll do that. I just want to see that sort of become manifested, and, and 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 I'm willing to be patient with him. I don't think it changes Kevin Stefanski's men, like mentality toward fourth downs. I think he's still no. going to be hyper aggressive. Um, and, and I know as some people, the the stats gurus out there, the analytics folks that I really love, are you know, hey, don't is this going to impact Stefanski's aggressiveness on fourth downs? <laughs> no, I don't. I really don't. I I, I think it'll be. Um, I don't think Kevin went into those fourth down decisions thinking this kick is going to be missed. I just think they want to continue to score as many points as possible. So, um, you know, talented player. That's what I like. As long as he's talented, I can get behind it. And I think you can see that there's genuine talent here and people you trust. Like, I mean, even the Pat McAfee's of the world are like, this guy can kick it, man. Like he can do it. So it just needs to come together. He needs to learn Cleveland. He needs to have confidence in the nfl and you know we'll see i i just i'm i'm I'm, a, I'm okay with it i i think you can be like this is it's just funny there's this paradox of people who are like man the rest of the afc north has all these great kickers and i would do anything to get a kicker like that i would trade a first rounder for tucker and yeah and then it's like okay then they take one and you're like i can't believe they took a kicker here let's, well <laughs> let's try to like let's try to fix this thing man like yeah, like right. give, give it a real opportunity to get fixed by ta- taking a talented kicker and Maybe it doesn't work out, man, but I've seen you take plenty of shitty fourth-round receivers that don't work yeah. out, so it's like, just keep trying to you get it right. I don't know. That's just where I'm at. I'm okay with it.
1: Yeah, I'm totally okay with it. I'm, I'm glad they did it where they did it, actually, and I, I don't think, you, like you said, I don't think you would last the next pick, so I'm all for it, and I love that they, you know, I, you told me they cut these guys. I mean, I'm all for that. That's Give, give him as much confidence as you can give him, and, and let him know he's the guy, and Let's let's see what happens. That's the hardest thing about a kicker, though, right? It's like if he is really, really terrible and he's costing you games. It's like how much patience can you have? And that's what's so hard. And kickers are the kicking in the NFL is a fickle position as is, Jake. You know, I it's it's kind of like relief pitching. You know, Mm -hmm. there's guys that there's one week. You know, as long as you're getting outs. Nobody asks any questions how you're getting the outs, but as soon as you blow a couple leads, now everybody's down your throat. So it's yep. uh, it's interesting. So, uh, But I like to pick there. Uh, crossover, uh, the OBR film Breakdown, Jake Burns. Here, I'm Brad Ward of All Eyes on Cleveland, uh, Crossover Edition here. Wide receiver room post-draft, Jake. Um, sounds like this. Now, I'm going to list all the guys that they have on the roster right now, okay? Mm-hmm. Cooper. Donovan Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz. They drafted David Bell. They drafted Michael Woods II. They have Jamarcus Bradley, Javon Wims, and they have three UDFAs, which makes ten total. Mike Harley Jr., Travell Harris, and Isaiah Weston, who is super interesting with his Raz score in 4424 he at 64210 which is
0: incredible right mm-hmm. uh, that he's a UDFA actually so there's 10 guys there. I will say that needs to be noted he's not okay he's a very good athlete he's 24 and a half 25 when the season starts okay. that's a huge reason why he's undrafted okay. good athlete but never blown away production at the level never really a great open field guy in terms of making people miss after the catch. And, and and again, I looked into all of this today, trying to understand it and watch some things. Doesn't yeah. play T6 3 and some change. It doesn't really play to the height. So, again, okay. a good stab. I mean, this is what you, guys who are almost 25 are, are UDFAs. That's just how it goes. Like, you're just, it's old. It's old. You're developed. There is no level of athleticism you're going to unlock. If you're 20 or 21, as you know, Brad, your body might not be fully developed and you could find another level or two. You're 25. You are who you are. Again, his you are who you are is really athletic. But the age, some of those other little factors, that's why he goes undrafted. But I love I love it as a UDFA. So I'm fascinated to see him. Yeah. And uh, again, would not rule him out as a bottom of the, receiver room type of guy who can make a roster who works his butt off and is just an unbelievable special teams player as like a gunner or something like that on punt team and doing some other various things and special. So yeah, he's, he's going to compete. He's too good an athlete to not compete for a role here. All right. Um, Let me do
1: this then. Mari Cooper, people's Jones, bell Schwartz. Does Michael Woods compete for a spot on this roster? Do you think? Um, what do you think of him? Because I looked, I've seen people have him at UDFA. I've seen other people have him other places. I watched a little bit of his highlight stuff. I thought that he was more impressive in his, some of his, uh, his, you know, his highlights at Arkansas than he was really at Oklahoma. Um, but thoughts on Woods and, uh, does he have a shot? I mean, let's, let's be real, uh. Barry has kept basically every draft pick he's had so far on his roster. I think up to up to date. So
0: yeah, significantly in his favor there, right? That that yeah. they have kept every single guy Barry has drafted. But eventually that has to end. You can't keep them all. So correct. He is the most logical. It ends target here. He could yeah. surprise us. Yeah. I don't know. There's no real thing that stands out about his profile. He's got. Correct. He had 15 drops at the college level. He he is. Uh, I have not, not studied this tape. The numbers yeah. are not Yeah, The production isn't overwhelming. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what the angle is. Again, you, you, you'll you see it. We'll see it early. Maybe there is an angle. Maybe this is a guy that they can eventually stash on their practice squad uh, as, as that type of guy that gets through the release section and and uh, is able to come back on a practice squad. I don't know. I don't really have an angle for you yet. When I study this tape, maybe I will. But for now he stands out as the single most logical Andrew Barry cut this draft pick from his yeah. roster. Um, ends it ends that run. It ends the run, but you know, give the kid a chance. He'll get every opportunity. And, you know, I was just talking about a guy like Weston, you know, if it's close, you would, as we sit here based on any evidence we have, we would lean toward, Hey, he's going to keep the guys that he drafted, but we'll see what shakes out. So then
1: with him, Taking into account everything you just said there, and the four guys I named—Cooper, Peoples, Jones—I'm not missing anybody, am I? Schwartz and Bell. That seems incomplete,
0: correct? Could be, could be. I mean, I think you have—you have, you <laughs> have Cooper. T- I mean, it's tough. It is tough. Yeah. You have—you have Cooper, who has experience in the slot. If they want to move him there now and again. Um, you would hope that Anthony Schwartz takes some steps to become a better player. And I think that there were signs at the end of the year to me that that could happen. Um, Donovan's your ex logically your natural Z is, is uh, David Bell, but David Mm -hmm. could be an outside guy and let Cooper go inside every now and again. There was some talk about after the draft, the Browns scouts mentioned, some things about a power slot, a bigger slot player who can play inside up the seams and do some of those things. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, it it could be the angle, but as it sits here, there is still a hunch that they could go get another receiver, a cheap guy. I don't know who that is. Doesn't appear to be Jarvis, but could be somebody like the will fullers of the world. If they want to take that stab, we'll see what happens. They, they're just now getting a look at a lot of their talent. I mean, in terms of, getting in front of them on the football field. We they know who Schwartz and DPJ are, but you know, they're mm-hmm. together right now out on the field. They'll get the rookies all together and all of that'll come into a clear light here soon enough. We'll know what they really think of what they have.
1: I it to me, it just feels a little incomplete. Like I, I get where you're coming from. You can fill those roles with the guys that are there, I think. Um and maybe they're just gonna say, hey, you know, Watson is going to make these guys that much better. Um, and depend on that aspect of it, but to me, the room feels incomplete at this point i guess jake
0: yeah i I don't disagree that's why i'm saying i think I think they could definitely go out and get somebody still yeah. i mean it's 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 on the table if they run it into the year and they and they run it as is, I don't think it's like i don't think it's terrible, but it's not it's it's still we talked about this by the end of the year it was one of the top sorry bottom five wide receiver groups, and I think they've improved it some, but okay, not hugely i mean i think Not you could exponentially. yeah like i think you could at this point definitely still point to them being a bottom 15 wide receiver group like that's pretty clear to me but as you just mentioned if they're in the right spots at the right time with a quarterback that can get them the ball efficiently you might just see some better production even though it could be better so we'll see what they ultimately do some fun pieces here i consider there to be three guys that i like a lot I like Amari, I like Donovan, and I like David. Uh, We'll see what Schwartz ultimately becomes here. He's going to have a chance. After that, it's a little shot in the dark here, see what happens. So I can definitely see where you're coming from, and I I think that there's discussions happening about needing to maybe add one more guy, but I, I also understand if they just roll with this group and try to say hey quarterback you're making 45 million a year elevate these guys we think there's talent here make them better and see what we can do so yeah it's sure. uh not a lock but definitely a situation where i could see them getting another guy
1: yeah totally agree about the three guys you like there i think that's that's clear and in some question marks around schwartz but some potential there as well right uh so. well, and i
0: gotta mention too the fifth guy they're gonna keep is jakeem grant i mean they're they're locked yes. into him as the yes. punt returner, kick returner, and he has experience. He's been on the field as a wide receiver before, never produced a ton, but enough that if they need him, he can do things for them. He can be a slot. He can be a jet motion guy. He can do all those fun gadgets, system things. So that's really five guys you're locking in right now, and then you're saying, okay, okay we want to keep six. They keep a six. Then it comes down to, like, can Woods do it? Can Weston do it? You know, Or somebody unexpected just come on the scene. Yeah, that's what we'll see. So, yeah, really, that's the look right now. They could still add another one, but you add one more, then it gets, uh, you know, gets a little tight. The elbow room gets tight, and it's it's a real serious competition. So we'll see. Yeah,
1: that's interesting. Uh, I didn't think about Grant, and that does make sense. Um, Very good. Good stuff, Jake. Uh, Let's finish up here with this topic, which is an interesting one, and a touchy one, and I mentioned it to you (laughs) off the air, that I tweeted this question out, and I I kind of wish I wouldn't have because my mentions are filled with people yelling at each other uh, now and uh, not directed at me at all, but just mm, crazy conversation. Let's talk a little bit here. Uh, Major League Baseball, uh, Jake, has come down with a two-year suspension on Trevor Bauer for sexual assault slash uh, domestic violence uh three women no indictments uh, this isn't an apples apples comparison to watson by any stretch of the imagination but th- they're both not indicted and the mlb comes down with a two-year suspension um which we talked about a little bit uh i think Araldis chapman got 30 games you mentioned marcel azuna
0: right mm-hmm 20 mm-hmm. games Something like that. He was out for the year because of the, he had a whole domestic yeah. violence. It wasn't sexually related, but it was domestic violence, yeah. and he entered diversion. And um, through that diversion is obviously an admission of guilt and needing to rehabilitate. So um, that's interesting to me. He missed the year, but then he got a retroactive twenty games or something like that. So that limited, you know, that that kind of puts it into light. But it does. Listen, I'll say it this way, because I, you know, we're going to obviously say, does this impact? Yes, Watson, right? It is a changing society. It is a, and again, for good or bad, I don't really care what your viewpoint is. I, I think society is just more hyper aware than it's ever been of things that are wrong, incorrect, and holding people accountable for them, good or bad. Again, your perspective is fine, whatever. But I will say this. I don't know if it has a direct correlation to Watson. It, it would be conjectured to say that with like certainty, but mm-hmm. it doesn't help. Let me put it that way. It It doesn't help the situation with Watson that, that that people would look at and say, Hey man, look at what Trevor Bauer received for only three women. And look what, you know, you look what happened here with, with, uh, with Watson. So I, again, in Trevor Bauer situation, we don't know the gory details. There could be way more than we understand. And you know what, from everything you gather about the details of, of Bauer, we do know is that there was some physical stuff with the sexual stuff and some forcing stuff. And um, while that didn't go and get tried, it does, it does bring a bunch of things to play there, right? Where Watson was more, it seems more, Uncomfortable situations and 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 that sure. kind of stuff. I'm not I'm not here to play like the lawyer of everything that's gone on here, but I, I mean I'm yeah. just gathering that. I don't think my my point is it's not one to one. It's not one to one. So I don't know. I, I don't know what you do get a little bit afraid of is that it seems that baseball has made an example of Trevor Bauer. He could appeal the suspension and and they put it in front of an independent arbitrator. He could ultimately get out of this thing with far fewer games could be significantly less could could be all thrown out for all i know i don't know they're gonna put it in front of an arbitrator but if it came out that watson was suspended for a year or two years i just would not be stunned let me put it that way i'm i'm at the point with watson where i won't be stunned either way they could say zero games because holding a guy accountable for for like for like massages is something like they can't do you know no charges were brought in the whole bunch of different things. I could just see it going either way I could see the Trevor Bauer thing impacting it or not really like saying impacting it but like I could see that scenario tying into what their thought process is but I could also see how he gets out of this with minimal games so we don't know we don't know what the frame time frame of a suspension even looks like for a decision we know they're not going to do anything during the 2022 season so if we don't hear of a suspension before the season then we don't we don't know that there could be one at all. I, I really don't know. And I mean, you know, DeAndre Hopkins gets six games for a testing and having a trace supplement in his, in his, you know, his yes. test sample today. And And again, it's yes. like, okay, six games, but that's pretty clearly defined while Watson's situation and his non admission of guilt is not clearly defined. Like, I continue to go back. If you read the quotes about Ben Roethlisberger's situation, like Ben was outwardly saying that he needed to change. He'd made mistakes, essentially admitting it. Like he admitted it without admitting it. So it's like, it gets interesting to me what it all like Watson's case is weird. And just like Bowers, it was weird. And, Mm It doesn't have a direct correlation, but I will say again, it does. Like the Watson thing was not helped by Bowers thing today. Like it, it doesn't. It could have no impact whatsoever, but it's not like it helped in any way, shape, or form. Maybe it doesn't ultimately hurt, but it doesn't help anything going on here. Because again, it's a public image thing, and maybe the NFL says, "Hey, we need to do what the MLB did here and be heavy-handed," and that could be an outcome.
1: Yeah, I'll go back to, and we use this all the time. Now, there is absolutely a non-zero chance that Roger Goodell and company don't pause and take a look at how does this look optics-wise when the MLB did this and we do this. And yep. there that is certainly a chance. Not saying it will happen, but that is certainly on the table now. Same thing with Hopkins to a degree. How does it look if we come down with six games, PEDs, and I know there's some language there and all that stuff, but it's certainly, it doesn't help, as you said. Uh,
0: yeah, and, I still um, think you should be operating from the idea of a suspension is coming, clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would operate from half the season and work my way back. Um, yeah. That th- That's still kind of where I would be sitting. If he misses half the year, that to me is the number. If he misses more than that, it'll be like, did not think that he would miss more than half a year but i could also see where it could be less than that because again the situation is really really unique and everybody yeah. the, the words being chosen everything that they are doing here is he has, interesting he has admitted he's not he's not even said i need to change how i handle massages or anything there's been yes not a single word about i did a single thing wrong here and that might bother people but to me he's being buttoned up with his language and there's a specific reason for it and that's something i've been paying close attention to because we'll see if the decisions get made the suspensions get passed down the decisions happen in civil court he has promised that he will be more forthcoming after these decisions are made about what happened why it happened we'll see when that day comes but for now. The, like the the way he's presenting it, and his agents and his his legal team, it is pretty obvious to me he is doing all he can to get through it. And again, maybe he's a hundred percent guilty. I don't know. Maybe he is. Um, but but they're just being very tight on this whole thing to try to, I think, put the NFL in a situation where they cannot just suspend him and not worry about some things happening. Right. Yeah. I think that that's the facts
1: i agree a hundred percent and and i think that day that we are talking about where he can be more candid about this and this all comes to a resolution is far off in the distance jake it mm-hmm. certainly sounds like uh well, they're not even going to get into this until after five. they've agreed not to even address this stuff during football season right so yep. who knows when the suspension comes down exactly either Too so there's a lot of question marks out there but uh uh great stuff as usual jake Uh, you're fantastic i had a lot of questions for you and i took up way too much of your time i apologize but i had some questions about alex Wright and all this stuff is very interesting as we look at how the browns are starting to take shape here uh as we get into some more off-season uh programs and rookie camps and all that good stuff so um any final words here jake before we get out of here
0: no brad i always appreciate your uh you're challenging a thought process and uh, making making yourself understand. Like if you have questions, it's okay to ask questions about. You know, you, you draft these guys. It's not all going to work out. It's not all guaranteed to work out. You got to start saying if a guy isn't going to make it, why isn't he going to make it? Right? What's the What's the catch? Why was he there at 78? You have to ask those questions. I think, I think those are very fair. So I do always appreciate the back and forth we have, kind of build around that stuff the questioning of stuff that people just accept so good stuff brother appreciate you man
1: as always fantastic jake uh this has been another crossover edition of the obr film breakdown with the great jake burns i am brad ward for jake i am brad with that